Welcome everybody to the ATX Metal Podcast. I am your host, Ryan. Glad to have you. Glad you're here. Looks like we've made it another trip around the sun. And this year, I look forward to bringing you interviews from bands you may not have heard of and from those that you probably have. But I would first like to start off this year by announcing our newest sponsorship from BumperActive.com. They are a local merch company off Burnett Road here in Austin, Texas, and can handle any of your merch needs. I personally already have a thousand stickers from them, so (laughs) pretty excited to see what we can do. Uh, Like I said, I'm excited for this partnership and I look forward to working with them, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, If you have any need of merch, stickers, embroidery, totes, all that, uh, send them a message and let them know that the podcast sent you. And as always, shout out to Come and Take It Live and Come and Take It Productions. Anthony and the team have always had our backs pretty much since day one, and I value all of their support. You can head over to comeandtakeitlive.com or comeandtakeitproductions.com. Check out the calendar tab to see what shows are heading your way. You can buy the tickets online, no harm, no foul. But like I've always said, I fully support you buying the tickets directly from the bands because that money goes directly back into their pocket. It's easily one one of the easiest ways to show your support. Uh, With all that said, I look forward to another great year of interviews, storytelling, and uh, just all around fun. So cue the intro music. The face of the medium speaking the words of the dead is not important. We are just storytellers with no identity, no past exists, no future exists, no social class, no stratification, no racism, good or bad. The messenger simply does what he's told, repeats the words, and then he's gone. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Stoneside, a five-piece project out of Houston, Texas. And the music is just phenomenal. But aside from that, the stories that the music portrays and helps live on in perpetuity is just beyond my grasp. So that's why I had to sit down with Crane, the vocalist and the idea guy behind this band. So... I'm just going to let the music speak for itself and him. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Stoneside. Uh, this fun session we're getting ready to have insecurity inducing shit let's roll <laughs> get a glass of single malt scotch real quick i'm gonna need this no go for it man take your time are you a drinking person 
Uh, yes, I am. I consume alcoholic beverages, uh, not not in excess, because that's uh, I found that that's not the way forward. Uh, <laughs> my friend, you know. Oh man, right. a hangover a hangover these days is not the same as it used to be. Dude, oh my god, I got fucking laid to waste the other day on accident. <laughs> those those are like the best worst. <laughs> yeah, I, it definitely reminds you like I'm not 20 anymore. No, not at all. Do you have your beverage of choice handy though? <sighs> I'm not sitting with it right now. It's Lafroig neat. All right, you ready to kick this off? Let's rumble. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us today. I get to speak to Crane, the brainchild behind the art that is Stoneside. And I say art because that's how I'm looking at this, and that's how I've kind of uh, ingested it. And I just wanted to, we've been trying to get this together for a long time, just life didn't line up. But once I started hearing and listening to more and more of the music and understanding its background, I just I had I had to personally reach out and just say, look, we've we've got to make this happen. We've got to we've got to get, you know, Stonesides music in front of more people. So uh, introduce yourself, what you do uh, in the band, where you're from, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Sure. Well, first off, I wanted to say for the record, for everybody listening, that um, podcasts like yours and you personally, Ryan, uh, we've talked about this you know, like off the record here, but um, you're you're doing a service to metal in general, but specifically to heavy and avant-garde music in in Texas. You know, um, you're really putting it out there. You're one of the good guys, like I said to you before, and uh, I hope your listeners appreciate everything that you're that you're doing because I know us as the musicians just have infinite respect for you oh well thank you thank you so with that said um i go by crane um i'm the primary songwriter uh for stoneside and as far as what i do live i'm the vocalist so what oh, where from? i'm so sorry i'm from the middle of fucking nowhere i'm in a small town kind of between closer to houston but between houston and austin is that where uh, all just, the stoneside uh members are at no, I make a long ass commute in. Uh, I live out in the middle of nowhere because the city is mental fucking chaos, and my bandwidth runs low these days. <laughs> I think, I think we're all running on a little bit lower bandwidth. E- even though technology has improved, just mental bandwidth is is starting to push the limits. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get into it, but yeah, it's just not my thing. So yeah, I'm out in the middle of nowhere where it's at least quiet for now. You know, I stepped outside last night in an effort to just kind of take in the crisp Texas winter that finally has arrived. (laughs) And uh, I have an apartment complex that's going up behind me. So they wiped out some of the hundred year old oaks or, you know, just some really cool foliage around. And but now I have a clearer view of the sky from my backyard and I went out and just kind of like uh, grounded myself, just walked out, you know, feet in the grass, just, you know, feeling, feeling mother nature and just, you know, and it was, man, it's probably one of the quietest nights I've experienced. I live on the outer edges of, of Leander, which is like lower hill country esque, but over yeah. the past few years, it's just become, you know, suburbia USA. Uh, so to have little moments like that of kind of just clarity and sereneness, uh, they're they're far and few between these days. Um, 
<laughs> as 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 the city starts to encroach and civilization starts to move further and further. Uh, so I definitely understand. I'm a I'm a country boy. I was raised in the middle of nowhere in North Carolina. So I definitely understand your uh your loving for just being out there. Yeah, I mean it was it was kind of out of necessity, Ryan. Honestly, like I talk about this kind of talked about it before, but it's uh, I'm a type one bipolar. I try to be pretty open with it. So uh, for anybody who doesn't know, that's kind of what everyone used to know is manic depression. And uh, mine is type one, which is the acute kind. And what it does is it'll lead me to detach from reason and make really catastrophic, impulsive decisions, um, finances, anger, sexuality, um, substance. And you lose your sense of judgment and you can go into full mania where you can have, this sounds really grand when I say this term, so I hope it doesn't freak anybody out, but psychotic delusions is what they call them. Right. And then when you're down, it's, you know, depressive suicide, lack of motivation, lack of creative output. So once that really started to set in, I just had to spend more time out and I wanted to get away from the city. I didn't know at the time that I was mentally ill. I'd moved out here because I'm like, why is all this getting to me? Why am I on edge? Why do I feel anger all the time and frustration? And then once I got out here, for somebody who's mentally ill, if you can't control the internal chaos, I feel like it's at least important to try to control the external chaos. And that I do have more of control over. And as a country kid like you, and I was too, to a certain extent, uh, that root was within me. You know, the romanticism of the quiet. And if you talked about going out and kind of grounding yourself. Mm -hmm. That's really what I was in search of. And I know you can sympathize because these cats that grew up completely in the city with no experience out, like hunting or feeling the land or watching the nature, like it's a lifesaver to feel that. Oh, 100%. I think uh, my wife and I, are planning trips and she's always kind of been on my backside about going and camping. She has this tent that she's never unveiled. It's it's amazing that it still exists in our garage. But I got to say that having that sensibility or that that desire to kind of just disconnect on purpose and, you know, go in search of some solitude or some solace out in 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 nature is I think everybody needs that. Every, yeah. Everybody needs to just, for example, like I told you right before we jumped on that. Uh, I figured you'd up, yeah. Yeah, I, sh I, shattered, I shattered my phone. <laughs> and it doesn't turn on, so I had to get the backup phone, which has no apps on it downloaded whatsoever. It's just literally just a backup. So I've been disconnected for about four or five days uh, in, in just social media in general. And just that small disconnect has been kind of freeing and has allowed me to get a lot done. Like I don't find myself kind of fidgeting and, and trying to figure out what to do in that idle time between the spaces of the day. Uh, I'm starting to fill them with more, you know, just more stuff that's more pertinent to what, what's going on in my life, you know, just, and so having that disconnect, but one, I guess how to tie this all back together uh, to get into the music is that, when I listened to your music, I found myself just, I don't know, I feel more connected with with something. I really can't put my finger on it, but 
I feel like it is a nature kind of thing because your your music has to deal with with uh, life stories and and those that have passed. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I, I guess that's how I'll kind of kind of try to tie all this together. The fact that you say that that you're dealing with this this mental illness that that you've kind of tried to take control over, and you know you've moved away and and you've taken those external uh, uh, factors into consideration, and your music is about I don't know man it's you tell me about your music I'll I'll try to formulate this 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 expression that's in my head about how I feel, but it, it, I definitely do take a journey and I just, I, I want to understand the journey that you're trying to help us understand in this music. Ooh, okay. Um, Sorry, that may sound like a completely loaded question, but, <laughs> but we've got plenty of time to unpack it. <laughs> I hear you. Um, well, to try to keep it as succinct as possible, um, like you mentioned, each song is about a specific individual, sometimes two, people um that have died and uh they're all true stories and each song kind of speaks to uh, either their life what we know of it or some a lot of these people i did know personally um or their death or the events surrounding their death and trying to kind of extrapolate the lessons from those those passings what they could have brought to us from their life or what we could have learned in their death, whether we view it as, you know, did they pass away on top? You know, did they pass away with despair looking back and being like, this is, this was not the way I was supposed to go, you know, a violent death or something like that. So that's what the music is about. They're all individual stories. And, um, I try to really get, get um hooked into each story and try to find something i can really really empathize with and i just go as far into that as i can and try to put myself in those shoes and i try to do that in certain you know whatever it takes whatever it takes to become and feel what it might be like to be there before they passed or to be their loved one looking at what happened or you know things of that nature so yeah i'm trying to save stories essentially i I hope it doesn't sound grandiose, but it's like a, it's more like a, I'm, I'm more of a, a storyteller for these people. Oh, you know, yeah. like, a, like I'm, the music is essentially a eulogy. Man, that's heavy. <laughs> that's, that's probably, that's probably one of the best, best descriptions of, of music that I've ever heard. I'll be reading. I'll be learning. <laughs> I picked up a book or two. Um, I got this uh, Got this thesaurus staff right here. Do you feel like some of the music that you create that it is addressing some of your own traumas and by creating this this music for them that it's helping you cope? I got to give it to you, Ryan. You're asking me questions and nobody <clears throat> has asked me about this. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, I don't know if it's super perceptive of you or if I'm just super dense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'd, be, I'd be reading too. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I think, let me, before you start, I think for people like you and I, we are storytellers in, in different contexts, but we still, you know, there's this crossover. So the thing that I feel that 
I need to do also is to understand the music, I have to understand the person. And if I can help get that person pulled out a little bit, separated from the music, then not only will it help me, you know, possibly, uh, you know, reframe the reframe the narrative that I'm looking at it from, but also maybe other people as well. So sure. Well, I mean, just to deviate from that, a thought just occurred to me, which is, you know, actually, you're right. I mean, podcasts are long form, right? I mean, it's almost like you are the forum for the storyteller. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. what it is, we're 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 sharing true events. We're discussing these are stories. So I guess you are, like you said, as a podcaster, you're a storyteller. I guess I don't know. I'm, that's probably clumsy. I'm just kind of thinking as I go. No, I've always I've always seen podcasting. You know, w when we started this over nine years ago, it was just for fun. You know, hobby, hang out with your bros, and this, that, and the other. And then I saw some meme or tweet that said, you know, why do why is it that it's more guys starting podcasts than than females? And one of the one of the I guess comments was it's cheaper than therapy, and you know, it then it kind of hit me like, man, this this is kind of therapeutic in a sense because, especially in audio form, you still have that anonymity of of not displaying, you know, like your physical self. You can yeah. you can put emotions out there or ideas out there and not have that that visual representation. So there's kind of sure. like this, you know, this other side yeah. of it. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense, but. And we can get into that. I, I don't have a problem discussing that. Yeah. I try to be a book, but I just have to be very careful with to what page I open that book, so to speak. Sure. Well, we're here to so, go through as many chapters as you want. <laughs> answer your question. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know that it, I don't know that any musicians in heavy are really boundary pushing genres like metal in general or even something like, I don't know, like Radiohead. Like, I don't know that those people are incapable or even capable of not putting their historical trauma in that music. Like, Ryan, <laughs> people that are completely and totally well-adjusted don't scream into a microphone. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, we, we don't. <laughs> I mean, they don't. No, they don't. Oh, no. It's, um, yeah, it's catharsis. But I try to, I really don't like to write about myself when I, when I was like 19 or 20, you know, when you, you're first making music, it's like you're writing about your relationships. And you, you know, I'm not saying those things didn't hurt us at the time. That was heavy. You know, you're, you got your heart broken or stuff at home. Yeah, those, those, are, those are real. That's real pain. But I just realized like that youthful self-centered thing, like it didn't actually allow me to get out what I wanted. And it was only... It was only when I started to turn that light towards other people and I found some connection to those stories. Um, that way, when I record my voice or something, when I'm, you know, recording for a song or I'm singing, it's like, I don't have to be who I am. I can be, I can mourn anything that I need to mourn in my personal life or growing up and not have people... <sighs> Not have people say like, oh, you could tell Crane, this must be really deep for him or hard for him. I wonder why. It's like I can express 
that pain through their pain, the mm-hmm. person I'm writing. Um, that was real clumsy again. I'm sorry, Ryan. I've no. never really thought. <laughs> this is this is freeform, dude. There's no there's no reason to apologize. Yeah, I'm kind of bad about apologizing all the fucking time. So I'll apologize for that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm also guilty of the. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, even yeah, something something as simple as I always laugh at myself when I'm in the grocery store, right, or any any public space where you're within you know bumping distance of someone and and you you cut in front of somebody and oh oh so sorry like everybody's so apologetic but well you're a good texas gentleman right yeah hey uh, speaking of heb put your fucking shopping carts back people you want to talk about the the am i a good person test put your shopping carts back uh anyway sorry caveat there no actually i was thinking that the other day like people want to bitch about respect and stuff like that i'm like dude this kid's earning minimum wage out there to go collect your shit because you got some place to be right be able to pull up your big boy and big girl pants take it 20 feet over to the rack give a fuck about someone else i know it's real hard it's like it's like one of the ultimate ultimate checks on people like oh god but it's a character test for sure yeah 100 percent um, we're being we're being douchey about it, but let's be real. Like yeah. everyone, <laughs> like when you when you see fucking when you see somebody down the walking that shit down the street to the bus stop, you know, with the cart. Like I get it, I get it mm-hmm. because it's a fucking billion dollar corporation, Walmart. Um, Abuela's over here. She can't carry her own shit. She's tiny. She's elderly. Like I get it. I get it. But man, if you're a grown strapping ass man or woman and you just shove that shit into somebody's parking spot and you take off, you're a you're a fucking piece of shit in my book. <laughs> Park it on the curb and it's like, you were so close. You were so like 40 more feet and you made it. Like, ugh. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm just like <laughs> so uh, irritable. Anyway. <laughs> so irritable. So sorry. We totally deviated. This is going to yeah. be an AD. <laughs> this is this is this is par for the course, Crane. This is this is totally normal within. Th- this is this is the scattered, the scattered brain of 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 my podcasty realm. So it's fine. Plus, it's mine. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, it's your form. So let's get back to the music. Um, sure. I found you guys, I believe it was when you're one of your first ones, uh, History of Violence, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Was that the first release uh, under the Stoneside moniker? I believe so. It was, yeah, I mean, obviously a lot's happened in the world since that. I mean, I started releasing this m- music during the first part of the pandemic, so it's hard for me to remember. I was going through a lot. We all were. It was chaos, but I believe that was the first song that I even wrote for Stoneside. Well, I guess that would become. I guess let's figure out or let's talk about first how Stoneside became a project and uh, who who the members are associated with it. Okay, um, it became a project uh, in the first part of the pandemic when things got, uh, you know, smashed across the country. Um, my wings got clipped with my job, as did pretty much, pretty much every musician just got decimated by that. You know, it's not like we're running dough to begin with. And uh, me and the rest of the guys have working class jobs. So I'm sitting here, you know, I'm trying to stay afloat. 
you know, it was during that time that I got diagnosed as bipolar. And it was when I was kind of at my worst so far with my disease. And that's when I was like, something's wrong. I'm going off the rails. Long story short, because of all that, like so many of us, especially men, we were forced to spend time at home or, you know, you couldn't go to the gym. You couldn't bury yourself in work. You know, you, if you did martial arts, you couldn't go to the, to the dojo, you know? And as a result of that, I just had all this kinetic, manic energy and anxiety already. And then when you couple that with the uncertainty of not knowing, you know, <laughs> is this a virus that's going to encircle the earth and slaughter people at a 50% mortality rate? Like in the beginning, no one knew. So something happened and I was just like, you know what? I haven't made original music in like three, four years. I was just so burned out. And I had these ideas and I just sat down and I was like, what can I do with these ideas that I'm having? Well, I want to make music again. I'm starting to feel this inspiration. And so what happened is I ended up getting laid off completely. And then I just started taking walks. I was like, I have to do something with myself. I need to kill the hours of the day. I don't have a job. I don't have anything to do. I can't go get other work. And I might have the order a little bit wrong here, Ryan. It's kind of a haze. Yeah. It's somewhere close to that order. And I started taking walks. And I would go walk into the woods as deep as I could and see what I could find. And then I walked and walked and walked. And about five miles away is a cemetery. And I started going to that cemetery. And I saw a grave. And it's a, one of the songs off the first record of a mother and a son. I looked at the dates of each grave side by side. And the son died when he was about five or six. And then the mother died several years later, but not in an old age. So just something struck me that she watched the death of her own son. And I would go to research that. That's what I wanted to know. I was so like, I want to know what happened here. And I wanted to know how he passed, how she passed. But you don't need to know anything personal about these people to see his birth date and his death date. He was five or six years old. Her birth date and her death date. She was in her late 30s. Like, she saw her son die, and then she herself succumbed to some unnatural cause, right? You know, no one dies in their 30s. It's healthy. And at that point, oh, I should mention, there were, uh, there were toy cars lining the boy's grave little toy cars all the way around. And I just sat there and kind of picked up the cars and just looked at them. And you're like, these were his toys. You know, this is the altar. And there's something about that that just sucked me in. So I would go back to that cemetery on my walks. And uh, I have to keep this part of my life a little personal, but I'm going to give you as much as I can. Sure. Um, there's some things of the story I have to omit. But I was there and there were, you know, basically a service in the background, a funeral service. And let's just say there was a little boy there and um, he asked me, are, are the dead people in, in these? And he touched the tombstone, the headstone. And, you know, you got to be careful. He's a little boy. I'm not trying to scare him, talk to him about death or the afterlife or ghosts or right. anything. And I said, no, no, they're not. They're not in the headstones. And I kind of paused because I didn't know where to go from there. Yeah. Like and what, like, what do you say to this random child? 
right? And man, I'm picking my words at this point, right? I'm like, fuck, what is, this is one of these things. You got to watch what you say. This is a little kid. And he goes, well, where are they then? And I said, they're, you know, they're around here, man. They're around here. And he goes, but they're not in these. And he touches the, the headstone again. I was like, no, 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 they're not, they're not in those, buddy. And he said, uh, well, he paused and he had his hand on the grave and he goes, well, they're on the stone side now. Holy shit. Yeah. And that was it. Holy shit. It just, I walked home and it was on my walk home and I didn't have to force it. It just started writing itself. It just started writing itself. No words, no nothing. Just the music started writing itself. And I don't know. It's just. Now it's an obsessive, compulsive, manic outlet. But I never ran out of stories. And as I walked, I thought, I've witnessed an inordinate amount of death for a guy that grew up in this country who wasn't a veteran or, you know, armed forces or anything like that. And then it just kind of became its own animal. Thank you for my story time. Um, that That's... But what two hours down the podcast just to give you a simple fucking answer? No, we're only twenty five minutes and we're good. <laughs> oh man, that felt like forever. No, no, this is this is uh these are these are the podcasts that I love to do. I wish I wish we could conduct these in person, um, just to have that 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 energy in the room that you can you know what I mean? Like it's like being on stage and you feel that it, like energy is all around us and regardless of how it's trans transformed or transported um it, it's it's definitely there but i like i'm i'm just sitting here listening like this is how immersed i am sometimes i have to check in with myself because i just feel like i'm listening to a podcast while, <laughs> while conducting these interviews because they're just they're so interesting you know and it it it, it definitely helps me uh in the sense of just understanding just another level to the music um because like you said in the in the early in the early days of making music and this uh, this doesn't go for everybody but you know you get that pain out that you're personally feeling and you know when i caught your music and and learned that it was stories about other people that's what really triggered me just because that's that's the line of business that i'm in or i should say hobby it's the line of hobby that i'm in and I was just, I was just kind of blown away that you were willing to take the time, not only you, but the other members of the band. Uh, oh, I forgot. Sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, what, so I was, what I was saying is that, that you were able to get this idea across to other people and they signed on to it. And for those listening, I'm telling you, if you have not listened to the Stoneside discography, just top to bottom you will not be unimpressed like it is it is some of the best music i have ever heard in a long time and i'm not saying i am a you know high water mark for good music but i you know i've definitely heard a crap ton of music since doing this and this is some of the best music i like again i've personally heard and i know i've said that to other other bands and it's probably, you know, core centric to, to like their platform, but just overall from, you know, beginning to current and the story that it tells and the music that is, is portrayed is just, it's great. 
So hats off to you and the gang. I know, I know that Rob is in there. Uh, so just who, who else is in the band? Yeah. So how'd it come to be and who's in it? I guess we'll start with who's in it. Um, sure. So uh, if anybody goes and looks at, our, you know, our pictures and stuff to know, but you know, you know that I'm anonymous. Uh, it's not a gimmick. We get that a lot. Um, I don't ask any of my bandmates to wear masks. I don't require that. Um, so that's care. so that's not like an aesthetic of the group for I mean, for, for for like PR purposes. That that's just I mean, look, it certainly doesn't hurt, I've come to find out, but I never <laughs> yeah. be that masked guy, you know. Look, man, Slipknot's a badass group, sleep tokens a badass group, Mudvayne back in the day, they were dope. But it's like for me, I had trouble connecting with that that character because they became less human and they became more fiction. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I I needed the human component, but because of things that happened to me and because of what I developed, I I really don't want to take any personal criticism. I really don't want to hear anybody's criticism of me as a human. And so if I put that mask on, you're just criticizing my music. I'm disabling you from knowing me personally. Um, I don't have to have you destroy me and, you know, I'm a human. I've got my insecurities, but being a bipolar, I'm particularly vulnerable to being broken down. And when shit goes off the rails, when you start having your in crash, you start making real, real bad, potentially life ending decisions. So all that circles back to, I wear my mask because I want to keep to myself and I don't want anybody to pay attention to me or know about me because it's not about me anyway. It's about the stories. Right. When we got started getting the group together, I think everyone just assumes. And I said, I wanted to make it clear, like, no, this is for me. You don't have to do that. This is not look at us labels, management bookers. Look how fucking cool we are. Look at our mystique. They can do as they please, but it just so happens Rob, who, for those who don't know, played for To Whom It May, he's a bass player. Rob Mars is a giant science fiction guy. You know, I mean, he loves he, he loves that kind of shit. So he jumped in to the masked thing, um, full bore. And then our keyboard player, Matt, and then uh, me and him came up kind of in the scene together back in the day. Then Alex, who is from Apotheca, he's a guitar player for Apotheca. I snagged him. And then our drummer is a guy named Daniel Gamboa, who's been around. He's very, very versatile. And how it came together is I had no intention of making a band. I was recording everything in my home studio. Um, I knew I wanted to do something with the music, but I just didn't think much of it. 
so uh, I started trying to just post it here and there and see what people thought. You know, you're an artist, you're a musician. You put it out there and you wait to get butchered or you wait to have people be like, hey, this shit is dope. Yeah. <laughs> you hold your breath as a creative waiting for people to be like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. This sucks. So I felt pretty good about it. I felt optimistic. And so I was just, okay, I guess I'll put it out there online and see what happens. I can't remember where I first posted. I think it was History of Violence or God Save the King. And somebody posted it in the Deftones forum and then in the uh, the Sleep Token forum. And it kind of just, people liked it. And then from there, it just kept moving forward and kept moving forward and kept moving forward. And then I spoke with uh, Daniel DeFont from TKO Booking. Um TKO Booking is a major booking agency, particularly for heavy acts. He took an interest in the project, and he said, when can I get you on a call? So he called me. He's like, all right, tell me all about the band. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not really prepared for this. Uh, I am. And he's like, oh, okay. I was like, do you want me to assemble a live group of people? Is this something I have to do immediately? I don't understand what necessarily. I didn't know what he was trying to do was right. it trying to agency he said he was new there and uh i guess just an unofficial cultivator type role i was like well so i need to get a band together for my music and he was like yeah yesterday and so i just scrambled to assemble people who could deal with the weird signature changes you know there's not dudes just walking around all over the place with eight string guitars who have you know what i mean no, yeah. <laughs> you can't call up your dudes from back in the day that played in drop D and shit. Like you, you have to have somebody who's good at playing in the, the key of purple. I mean, and you, they're not just hanging around, you know? And then I had to find somebody who could do the electronics and the keyboards and somebody who knew how to set up the click track. Like I don't do any of that shit, Ryan. I'm a fucking songwriter. I'm not, I'm not technical at all. I can fucking barely play guitar. Oh dude. I, I, I can 100% empathize with that because, you know, when I first started doing this podcast, I, I literally uttered the words, I don't know what a podcast is. And my buddy Chris was like, don't worry, man, you know how to talk and you like music. You'll be fine. You know, yeah. fast forward. Now I'm, you know, I am the one man band here. Uh, you I, do, are. I do have, I do have those that I greatly appreciate their help uh, and their input. So uh, I can, <laughs> everybody has their talents. So. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start keeping my answers shorter. The problem is I get lost in thought. I don't mean to be so egocentric. It's no. I'm clum clumsy sometimes trying to find my words. But so that I had to assemble the band because Daniel Defonce was like, "Hey, we need to get this shit going." And then uh, some some uh, some here and there, some stuff moving forward. And uh, yeah, it was just I had to get a band going. And then our first show, Daniel set us up. Um, co-headline for the browning um nice you, so yeah i mean it's it's kind of a best case scenario right like hey i wrote this shit and wrote this shit in my home oh okay you're a major booker that feels fucking awesome wow i feel validated oh i need a band all right well i guess i'll get that shit together oh your first show is opening for a national oh, okay well i'm not really ready for that um it's kind of overwhelming but I, that's where we were but I, since then Things have things have kind of flattened out a little bit, and it's more peaceful. And I, I just like it like that. Do you say you like the peace, the kind of yeah. like I'm 
Daniel, we were never officially signed with TKO. Daniel just had a, a just a ton of complimentary things to say about the band, Daniel Defonce, and he had recently come on with that company. And uh, he, I think he brought some of his stable of bands with him. But around the time he started taking an interest in us, he also took on Oceano and Decapitated. And I think at that point, you know, he's, he he's got to work focus. Yeah, yeah he, he did. And, you know, he doesn't know his shit. He, he did us a great favor. First show, we're there with the National. Um, I can't say anything about the guy. The only stressful part was, I probably wouldn't have gotten Stone Side together. It just would have been me. Um, and I had to scramble to do it. Had I not, um, I, had, I had no need to put a live band together, Ryan. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. There, there, was, was, no, there, was, no, there was no urgency. Yeah, like I had toured. I'd done all that shit. You know, I was burned out. I was like, fuck all that. It'd been years since I did anything. I didn't really want to get all these egos in one room again, make this too many chefs in the kitchen thing go on and all the crap <laughs> driving all over the fucking place since I live so, so far out. And I was like, you know, that sounds, I don't give a fuck about that shit. I don't want to do that. Yeah. But with Daniel sitting at the table, I almost felt like I kind of had to in a good way, but if left to my own devices, me, Rob, Alex, Matt, and Daniel, would not be in the same room together. Well, I can say I'm glad that he got that. Uh, I'm glad that he nudged you in that direction. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's just, uh, it all seemed like too much for where I was at that point. You know, like, I, I'm, a, I'm a high energy person, but I'm kind of, I've become more introverted or reluctant to go through all those movements and be around people a ton and uh, the, the thought of having to go and get a band together and getting back on stage again like it just didn't i was like oh fuck well here i go again like <laughs> i don't know if that sounds so douchey like no, so many no love to play on a stage and they would love to you know they're like oh man that sounds so cool and it is but it's just I wasn't there anymore. I didn't want to do that anymore. I didn't want to do all this management or booking or any of that stuff. I just wanted to feel proud of something I created. Feel like I was doing something honest and trying to tell these people stories that might be forgotten in a generation. And also just have my own creative control. Like I got to write my own music. I didn't have somebody there being like, that sucks. I don't like it. That's boring. This part goes on too long. Like I had done all that, like 18, 19, 20, I was, I was fucking over it. I just wanted to make my music my way and tell the stories and the emotions I wanted to, but here I am. And it's like, oh, well, I guess I have something here that's interesting. I, I would be maybe stupid or remiss not to try to. No, I get that. The, the, I think the. I felt responsible for bringing it further to life does that make sense yeah you 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 would it's the if i didn't try kind of mentality right. yes 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 so i guess i felt mental pressure to try to actually make stoneside a band instead of me and my house singing in the closet right well i got i got i gotta say i mean you guys have two albums out first one is the water 
and the next one that has been released is the desert um with various singles peppered in between uh it, it what's the what's the meaning behind the like i guess what's the meaning behind the 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 water the desert and i guess what do we got to look forward to sure and i meant what i said ryan i'm gonna start keeping this way more succinct people <laughs> probably just gonna be like dude just Crane's just rambling the whole fucking time. No, man, that's how that's so, how we suck them in. That's how we get them to stay oh, longer. Lord. Everybody, listen, I'm not that fucking interesting. Just go, <laughs> you know, take an edible, walk through the woods. You'd be great. I heard um, walking through I, the woods is good for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hear edibles is too, but awesome. we're waiting for those those longitudinal studies. Um, so, all joking aside. Yeah, so the water, the desert, and then this next record on January 11th, we'll start releasing. It's called God of the Mountain. So it moves from sea level um, here around our coast, across Texas, into the hill country, into the deserts out near Terlingua and Fort Stockton, Marfa. And then it finally moves up towards the mountains, out towards El Paso. Why that's relevant is because those stories, a lot of the stories on the water, the desert, and God of the Mountain are stories of people who lived or died in those regions in Texas. Ah, okay. Right. So the stories of the water, most of them have to, incidentally, I saw a tie through, have, have to do with water in their life or in their death. And then more of the stories came out towards the desert as a lot of my family are from out far west. And so I had plenty of somewhat morbid stories to tell and we you know i made a trip out there i made a trip out to the desert and i was able to gather a lot of these stories and i went to a cemetery in terlingua which is fucking haunting uh, just these above ground graves in the middle of you know the chihuahuan desert and then after that it was you know what further west towards the edge of texas out towards el paso and a lot of those stories so they just kind of move east to west across the Lone Star State. So the water, the desert, and then the last one will be God of the Mountain. Man, that's okay. I wanted to make, because that's what I, I was assuming, but I just didn't want to. I was like, well, it's the water, the I'll desert. They probably had something to do with their death or maybe their life or the story yeah. is related. So, um, but all, of that, all of that, I'd say. I never thought of it in quite simple terms, but yeah, you're right. No, yeah, but, do, but the fact that now you can tie all three together, like, like just watch, you know, you can look at the progression of the stories, just travel across the state. And, you know, that's essentially what you're doing is you're traveling with these stories. Chapters, yeah. I, I could write about people from afar, but it's like, it, you know, why do I have to go further than the backyard of Texas? Now, like, do you, when you, when you research these, these, um, these stories, these people's lives, do you go to any of the sites? Like I, tr I try to always do that. Okay. So that's a part of your process of, 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 of writing and telling the story. Yeah. I mean, part of the creative process started with me having no work in the pandemic and just going to the cemetery. And then after that, it was, that's where you go to find inspiration or when I was out west, you know, there were some state markers and stuff in the desert that told stories that had to do with that. The song Apache is about one of them. And uh, 
it's part of the creative process. I don't have to look very far. You know, deaths that are personal to me, I can write about those for a long time. And then, of course, the, the deaths of all these other people. Like, um, there's a song on the first album. It's the opener. It's, um, oh, God, I'm forgetting the name of my own fucking songs here. Right? <laughs> I've got it, I got it pulled up here. Let's see, Off of Water? Off of the Desert. It's the first song. There. Hey, anybody listening to this? I'm semi-sober. All right, so. <laughs> uh, yeah. cold, cold Dead Hand. Oh, that's the one. So yeah, that that's a song that had to do with that region out west, the kind of past the hill country where you are, where things start to look like hills, but then the vegetation ceases mm-hmm. to exist. That's where my family was from. And uh, that's the story of a guy named John out there. And um, if I could just tell a story real quick, because yeah. so people have an example. Right before my grandmother, um, a few years before she died, I went and I recorded her in her home. And I wrote down a series of questions I wanted to ask her about her life, her views on life, her views on things growing up, like uh, racism, sexism, work, work for you personally, your home life. I wanted to capture these things. I don't really know why. I just felt like I want to know, I want to unearth things that she hasn't told anyone as this stoic West Texas woman so that I can I don't know, Ryan, it's hard to think about. Maybe I just felt like I you know, fear of missing out. Or like you wanted to know, hey, you're getting older. I, I want to know what are the life lessons? What have you seen? Take me to your world and I can map it onto mine and maybe see what I can do or maybe what I'm missing out on. What can I distill from your time growing up out in the middle of nowhere in rural Texas? I guess. So I, I interviewed her and the story she told me, and apparently no one in my family knew this because no one sat down and asked her these questions. She told me about her dad, my great granddad. He owned a little barbershop out there and they had a shine guy in there. His name was John. They called him Big John. He's a, um, he's a black man. In this era in far west Texas, like, I don't think I need to describe to you or any of your listeners <laughs> meaning yeah. of race area like it takes zero intelligence to understand that's a thing out there right especially in that era long story short she said that my great granddad um they called him daddy boy i'm not really sure where i came from but my great granddad they called him uh, daddy boy his name was granville um granville was friends with him kind of best friends but it was not i'm sure something that they could just go kick it at the bar after work right but they said that big john liked the ladies and, uh, you know, he would, he would get all dressed up and go out on the weekends. And so I think it was a Monday or Tuesday. She said, John didn't come in. He didn't show up for work. So my great granddad was like, what the hell's going on? And went looking for him. And she said that they found his body. It was, you know, broken and basically dismembered, uh, down in a riverbed over there. I think it was the devil's river, devil's riverbed. I could get that wrong, but I think that's right. And she said it was the only time she saw her dad cry. And my great granddad was a fucking hard man. Um, she said he came in and just kind of, she was just watching him, you know, talk to her mom and said he started crying. And because uh, he lost his best friend. And right there, I was like, holy shit. And I said, what, what ended up happening? She goes, rumor has it that he had had a relationship with a white woman in the town. 
and possibly got her pregnant. Mm. And it turns out it wasn't even his baby. So they beat him to death and dismembered him, uh, you know, for... For nothing. Um, well, yeah, for being black. Yeah, I mean, that's... Keep your, only we can, you know, keep your hands off our white women. We're out here in the country. Stay, <laughs> stay, stay on your side of the tracks. And it just hit me. And for some reason, that story on that album was one that really, like, I don't know, it cut into me. And I never would have known that story, Ryan, had I not sat down with my grandmother and she would go on to pass away of cancer. Mm. But my father apparently didn't know that. No, that, that story would have died. The images in my head of him walking in to shine shoes, the images in my head of my extremely playboy and <laughs> fun-loving great-granddad just sitting in the shop, probably talking shit, talking about women, talking about having drinks. There is a story, there's visuals in my head, and these things were probably real. And all of these lessons would have been gone had I not asked the generation before me to tell me these stories. That would have been it. John would have been dead because there's there would have been no stories of John. Man. That's what's that up. Makes <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm speechless, man. That's 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 really fucking good. I uh I'll never forget it. That's I mean, you know, I feel bad myself because I did not take the time necessary to talk to my great grandma. Uh this is the lady that, you know, I live like I said, I grew up in the country. I would get off the bus because my parents uh were you know i guess i would put us in just below middle class i guess based off of you know metrics um but i was just you know standard country boy and great grandma lived right next door um you could throw a tennis ball and, and hit the house that's how close we were and she would take care of me after school and all this other stuff and then i moved away and obviously over time we grow apart and you know your family members aren't a day-to-day part like they used to be and yeah. i know everybody makes their efforts uh i know that i have an agreement with my mother that i talk to her every sunday within reason so <laughs> i have to call her today um but when you when you spend that time apart you realize that you are missing some really cool stuff and while i was away uh my great grandma passed um and what year was that it's a handful of years ago but I just was unable to make it to her funeral. And I remember the next time that we were out, I took, uh, I took my little one, my, my youngest daughter, uh, to the gravesite just so, just so I could be there and experience it. And it's always stuck in the back of my mind that, you know, what, what did great grandma go through? Because she lived, uh, she came, let's see, I think she was born in ninth. 1918. Yeah. She was almost a hundred. I remember she died at 97. So po like post World War One, Prohibition, Great Depression. And then, you know, she was teenager, probably World War II time frame, then Korean War. I mean, the the lady lived through a lot of shit, as with 
I mean, everyone of that generation, whoever was born, you know, in the 1900s, early 1900s, and and survived. And so, not getting that chance to talk to her about just her life in general that that does that's not lost on me. I do I do hate that that I didn't get that chance. So the fact that you got to with your grandma is like that's that's huge, and the fact that you were able to extract a story that may have been lost is you know the diamond in the rough for that one well i i want to mention to you and your listeners something important with this which is i wasn't wise or creative or thoughtful enough to do that on my own i had a teacher who said that that was our assignment was to go find either closer to you these are the questions that i have for you and then i want you to create some questions of your own I thought it was cool. I, it was it was weird. I remember feeling like this is this is fucking strange. Like these are stoic people. You know what I mean? Like they're going to be like, well, you know, they're not they're not going to want to tell me about their childhood or religion. But once we got the ball rolling, she opened up. And so I, I don't want to give credit like, oh, I had some incredibly serendipitous idea. <laughs> it was a, a, an older than me who was my teacher. Th- that's the point. The point is. He had the wisdom enough to say, hey, this is a meaningful assignment. Fuck your math and reading this forever. Like, you, you want to have a meaningful assignment? He had enough wisdom in life and experience to know that me as a, as a you know, kid would, would benefit from that. I mean, really thinking out loud, that might be the best, te- best lesson a teacher ever gave me. So it wasn't that I did it, Ryan. I want to make it clear that a man who had also probably seen his parents pass. If I remember, he was a little older. He, he knew. He knew the value of that. And yeah. it's in that that I take the stories of those who were passed before me so that I can try to learn what is worth living for and what's worth dying for. Yeah, that's, yeah. Because, I mean, we live, we're, you know, we're, we're susceptible to do and try things growing up and, and, you know, you really don't, <laughs> some people figure it out faster than others, but at, at my, I had that. yeah, at my ripe age of, of 38, 30, 39, I'm sorry. Um, I, I have looked back and, and just kind of shaken my head at a few things like, oh man, that, that wasn't the smartest move. But then I've also, you know, congratulated myself on on things that I've done that were a little risky or or you know just something that I wanted to do do for fun um <laughs> but but yeah I really wish I, I really wish I could have had some some more insightful knowledge from those that have came came before me uh or along with me so I feel like I feel like you're you're doing a good service a great service actually for not just taking someone's story to write lyrics and to sell albums or get likes. You're you're taking their story and enshrining it in the history as long as we can keep these digital footprints around. Yeah. I, I mean, that's an excellent that's an excellent description. That's really well said. I, yeah. As long as we can keep these digital footprints around, or if all goes to hell. You can always just share a story around a campfire like our ancestors did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, whatever meat takes to preserve history, 
I just always think like how I was always interested in history when I was a kid. Same. How many, how many fairy tales died? How, how many languages died? If, is there somebody whose words I could have read that weren't passed on that could have pivoted me in my life if I had read them at the right time? If it was a quote, if it was, here's what your great, great, great granddad went through. Here's what he had to say about it. Here's his written word. But so many working class families, like they don't even get our last names right. If you were like Irish or something like that, let alone fucking family stories, you know? So for me personally, maybe it's a way of, you're my therapist right now, Ryan. So forgive me. Hey man, um, I'm here for it. You should, uh, I, I unload all my shit on my massage therapist. So, <laughs> and she actually mentioned oh, that. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. She actually mentioned that. Actually, yeah, that came out. Oh, that was really wrong. Uh, that was that was super, super. <laughs> oh man! Okay. Uh, all on your massage. I would like not- to, uh, to be clear. I would like to clear this. I do not. It. That <laughs> was a spectacular misuse of words, right? Very much so. Yeah, I'm not a linguist. Uh, uh, but kind of going with the inner, like I spoke about energy earlier. You know, she says that that we. We talk. I mean, we just chit chat, you know, about her life, my life, what's going on, you know, what, what's happening, and uh, and she mentioned how there is this, I guess, plane of thought that, you know, when we come in broken, they absorb the the bad energy, and it really takes a toll on them. Um, so yeah, but I definitely go there, not just for the physical ailments, but to just talk, just to get things off my chest. And speaking of talking, well, I actually heard the other day, like you just mentioned, you know, what languages are lost and what stories do we not ever know about? Uh, I just heard on NPR recently that we lose um, a language. I couldn't remember it, so I looked it up. It says, one language dies every 14 days. By the next century... Uh, let's see. By the next century, nearly half of the roughly seven thousand languages spoken on Earth will likely disappear. So, within the you know by twenty twenty by I'm sorry by twenty one hundred, you know that form of communication will be severed in half at current rate, which is just mm-hmm. wild to think that. I mean. To think that there's 7,000 languages on this planet. Now, granted, there are over 8 billion people now. It's just like, man, the, the, the evolution of humanity and how we communicate with each other. To include this current medium, it, it just it fascinates me. So I think that's why I'm drawn to your music personally, is that it's this almost history lesson, in a sense. but on an individual basis and then it can be transformed and shared in, you know, cause music doesn't, I don't think music is, is, is a form of communication where the language itself does not matter. I mean, hell my kid, she's nine and she loves the shit out of BTS, like any other nine year old and K-pop and, you know, <laughs> person. Yeah. And she's singing songs in Korean. Just no, just no idea what they're saying but i feel like we could all agree music is one of the universal languages it is it's so it's so transformative and so subjective and you know that's why i love doing this is you learn you know 
hey man, when's your next album out? Oh, cool, sick. And then, you know, the other side of it is like, man, you know, the story of the five-year-old touching the stone, you know, they're all on the stone side now. Like that's, man, that's going to hang with me for a while. That's, that's, that's a really cool and kind of unsettling memory, but it's fair. I think, um, I think to make life seem longer, you have to kind of engage in novel experiences. And what I mean by that is the first half of our lives seem so fast. You know, you, you feel like that four years in high school, you were there for fucking ever. But then, <laughs> yeah. you know, once you were 24, 25, all of a sudden you blink and COVID has happened. And it's fucking eight decades later. Yeah. And I had a friend once, Adam, who said, you know, the way to get rid of that to make your life slow down. And I was like, what is that? He goes, it's to engage in more novel experiences. The reason your life seems to move so fast as you get older he, this was his belief was because there's not a lot of new anymore. You do the same thing every day. Oh. You've had those youthful experiences. And so it's easy to check out like you do any other day. You're on your internet. You're doing the same thing you do every day. You look up and four hours have elapsed when you were basically doing nothing. And he said to me, whenever you have the time, go do something novel that forces you to be in your moment to moment experience. If it's going up the road to a new town, new city, having dinner, you're not familiar with that place. So you have to be hooked into your moment to moment experience. You can't really drift off in thought. You're in a new foreign place having a new experience and it forces you to be in that moment, thus, in a way, slowing the perception of time. Um, and that stuck with me forever. The reason I bring that up is because the stories for me that I'm finding kind of do that. They force me into my moment to moment experience. And it gives me something, you know, like I told you the origin story of the name Stoneside, like forced me into my moment to moment experience. And it allowed me to think about what I'm doing with my life. Like I've got to be in a fucking coffin one day and no one's going to be there with me. No one's going to say whether I did a good job or not. Your parents aren't going to be there, your significant other not your society and all their judgments that it's not there. It's not real. So I'm going to be in that coffin by myself. So I have to make my life have meaning. And the best way to make my life have meaning is to understand those who went around me, who came before me, who saw things that are in the years to come for me and try to extrapolate that knowledge from them. And uh, I had a point to all that rant and none of it tied together, but welcome to bipolar. Yeah. Yeah, that's we're we're on the same plane, dude. <laughs> Who cares? Sorry. <laughs> no, you're you're fine, dude. This is this is this is this is the shit that I wanted to, to get into. Um and well, I guess I'm done talking. Go ahead. No, no, we're good. I was just gonna say we'll just we'll just end it there. We're you know, we've been jamming for an hour. Let's uh let's just uh end on a high note. Uh where where can um where can everybody find your stuff? Uh all the ads, all the socials. And how can they support you guys the best? I'm so sorry I wasted <laughs> your podcast giving no, everybody a fuck. <laughs> this, this is like I said, man. This, this being free form, no structure, um, is is the way that I I've always conducted, and it's always, you know, I put the ball in the guest court, even though I've been told, you know, like, hey Ryan, it's your podcast, you should run it. Da da da. It's like, well, it's not, it's not about me. 
you know, if I if I wanted to make it about me, then, you know, the logo would be my face or, you know, something to that effect. It would be the Ryan podcast, not the ATX metal podcast, but it's you're fine, man. I, I can tell you right now, we're going to we're going to do this multiple times this year. Hell, I might even just start a whole new segment called Stoneside Chats and we break down two songs a podcast <laughs> like that's the best part about it is you know we can do what we want and talk for as long as we want so don't don't apologize anymore my man see now i was tempted to say i'm sorry no. that's kind of <laughs> fucked there i go again um we're we're on all streaming services um we um, ended up signing a contract with blood blast for the distribution via nuclear blast so they're the ones who get us into all those things and do all the playlist pitching and shit that I don't know anything about. But yeah, apparently we're on everything. And you can stream Instagram, which is kind of like our home base. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of is uh, uh, Stoneside underscore music and uh, Twitter, which semi active on is uh, Stoneside three. Like and the then, letter uh, three or spelled out? Stone the side. number, God, the letter. Yeah, you're good. No, 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 I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so yeah, we're mostly in, uh, on Stoneside underscore music. And then we've got a Patreon as well. And uh, we update the Instagram stuff on a regular basis, let people know what we're doing, where we're at, how far along everything is. And our new album starts getting released on uh, January 11th, the first song. And then uh, our next show is in College Station at Grand Stafford Theater with um, Post Profit, Framing Skeletons, Hindsight, and Hold On Hollywood. Do you know what date that's going to be going on? You know what? That's probably a good question and a good answer, right? I have that. <laughs> See if I can find but I don't. Fucking stupid. If not, I'll, just, I'll, I'll find it. I'll, I'll get it. I'll, I'll get it from you and put it in the comments. Doors are at 7. We will be at... Grand Stafford Theater and, and Brian called Station, February seventeenth. There we go. To see the good people uh, of CS. I promise this will be out by then. <laughs> cool. There's been a, there's been a few where they've been hanging for a few months, and I finally got caught back up. I got a got a few more to knock out for the end of the year, and then uh, then it's on to the new stuff. Um, I'm for you though, real quick. Yeah, what's up? I mean, you're a connoisseur of this stuff. Like you are a genre to say enthusiast would be like an understatement. Um, I just want to ask you, what is it that you think fascinated you about the music when you heard it? What, it, because I, I hear you're talking about it and you seem to be really interested in the, the messages of each song, like what they're about. Did that, did the music hit you first or did the, the words hit you oh, first? I got you. I would people, what do they hear first when they hear any music? But because you were able to kind of ask me questions in the beginning that no one's really asked me, I was like, okay, he might have a, a a more advanced understanding of these things. So I just wanted to know. Um, do, do you understand what I'm asking? I'm no, sorry. yeah, I got was, you. Yeah, what what was the draw? What was the pull? What sucked me in? Yeah, I'm just curious because what what I hear and what you hear and what might make us interested in a particular sound. Our story is very different. So, right. Yeah. So, for me, uh, and I believe this is true for all of the music that I consume or listen to, is 
is the music good itself? So on a, and I'm talking about from a quality standpoint, because songwriting or tone or song structure, it all, it all leads. It's all kind of this amalgamation. It's not just for for me. It's not just, Oh man, the tone is sick. Like I could tell you right now, uh, pale dawn, that, that 25 second slow burn. And then it hits you with some mashuga like that, that musically perked my ears for that specific song. And then last week or a couple weeks ago, whenever we were chatting, uh, I was currently listening to your music and the song Hell peaked out. Uh, and I remember in the chat, I was just like, holy shit, I've only made it to track two. And so audibly, production value-wise is what hooked me. Then the fact that the production value overall, and it wasn't just this chuggy riff central or, you know, chorus bridge, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It wasn't the standard cookie cutter stuff, which again, I'm not discrediting that because I love the shit out of, you know, some ones and zeros and some breakdowns. Like that's, who doesn't, right? (laughs) Like, but when you get a chance to immerse yourself in an album or a genre uh, I I really do tend to just kind of, you know, if I like it for one, let me see how far I can really get into it. And once I figured out or once once it hit me that, you know, OK, yeah, I can definitely listen to this from front to back. What, what's OK? What are we talking about here? Why is what's up with water? What's up with the name of the songs? And then you start reading the lyrics. So I always go lyrics second and then I try to uh, finish it up with a live set. So that way it's this full kind of platter of of from how i found it to you know seeing it that that whole process so it's not really really about lyrics to you it's so when you listen to music the sound hits you all at once and or the vocals just kind of an instrument that you could, it all hits you at once you're not really thinking about what's being said you're listening to the notes that are being chosen the beats so is this Right, like on first pass. Final experience for you? Yeah, like on first pass. Like, how does this make me feel? You know, do I want to put the headphones in and just disappear for an hour only listening to this? Or is this more, let's put it in a playlist and then see where it gets me? Um, Okay. That's initially, that's just how I consume the music. But again, once I find a song, then I'll go find that. album or you know whatever if it was a single then i'll find other singles and match them up listen to more uh you know kind of like okay well if i like this song let's see what else the the artist has um but i can tell you right now for me it was only a handful it only took a handful of songs for me to want to learn more about to get more in depth okay what's what's going on behind the scenes here how did they come up with uh these lyrics what's the story behind the song um, and that's how I get to a podcast. That's just really interesting. Um, yeah, I'm always really curious, not just about my music, but just how people consume music in general. And since you're like a music head, you're a metal head. I mean, it's like, yeah, I wanted to see, how you know, you're, you're dealing in a genre or genres just in general with heavy music that are so instrumentationally immersive. And a lot of the vocals, of course, are indecipherable, particularly Correct. on real aggressive so at least when I listen to it, 
it's just interesting because I don't really pay attention to the vocals. That's what I do in Stoneside. I'm a vocalist. It's like I just hear the notes mm-hmm. or if they're if they're doing an aggressive vocal, the rhythm they're choosing. And they could say anything. They could they could write a hook about I love to pet dogs. But if there's a beautiful minor key underneath it or something, whatever they're saying all of a sudden <laughs> doesn't matter. It's yeah. Is the emotion that they're putting forth and the note that they've chosen and the notes playing underneath them. Like I I never really <laughs> I never really pay that much attention to lyrics, man. It's like no, man, I'm, you can, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm I'm not a lyrics person because like yeah, yeah, you could sing a song about a tennis ball, but man, you put that heart into it. Yeah, you hit that that minor key on that piano or that guitar. I'm I'm hitting orgasm. Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> good to know. Uh, for for example, this is perfect case in point. Uh, was either working out or out on a run or work and just had a playlist going, and I heard a song by this band called Convictions, and then. I reached out to the band, asked for an interview. They said, sure, yeah, let's do it. And when I started talking to him about that song that I heard, I was thinking of it as it was a banger. Like, it would, like, man, this song hits on every level. It checks all the boxes. And then he proceeded to tell me that it was about his best friend uh, or a friend of his committing suicide. And then I had to take a step back and just, process that like wow i just told this guy that one of his best songs to me is a song about his best friend you know passing and it wasn't like any ill intent to like label it as a banger so then we had the conversation like okay how can you classify this as a banger or you know a head bobber or because the because the material is so personal and that correlates to your music and I really appreciate the cleans, the screams. Like you can, you can feel your music. I and I mean that, just again, like I said, and that's the best part. Music is subjective. So for me, the Stone Side music, like not only do I like feel it, you know, like it's God. I feel like I'm going on a trip now. Uh, it, it's just, it, it's very music in general is difficult. Yeah, it's it's just it speaks to me. And that's why I wanted to speak to you so you could help, you know, help me understand it, which I know if there's one, if one person doesn't understand, there's always another person out there, or at least is trying to get a peek behind the curtain so that they well, may go further. I mean, I appreciate what you're having to say about that. And actually to that end, you know, you said that's actually been an impediment so far. Like we we're young as a band. It's been problematic, Ryan. Because if anybody listens to our album, like, I'm not really sure. We wind up on this bill, we're too soft. We wind up on this bill, we're too heavy. You know, it's like, oh, the song goes on too long. You know, or because it's like, I'll be on some Depeche Mode shit. And then, you know what I mean? Or some Portishead, Massive Attack. Um, And then it's like, all right, I just want to throw a breakdown in here that's tuned to fucking sub-zero yeah and, something nasty right and the problem is is i mean let's be real you know it and i know it metalheads are fucking gatekeepers man and it's like it's not heavy enough there's not enough double kick you know then the next person is like oh it, this is too heavy so i don't like it's hard to get your music out there get playlisted and stuff because it's 
too soft for heavy, it's too heavy for soft. It's like, what the fuck am I writing? And they want to put you in a box or you just don't get play. That's why, that's why, uh, so obviously us talking about getting you guys over to Austin and, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, you know, let's turn it into a tour, you know, a little three day run, four day run or something. And I, and that's why I want to build a lineup that is complimentary, but not a, you know, a dead ringer. And that's the best part about the music is you have so much piled in there in a good way that it is hard to put you guys, you know, with, with other acts. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. I think artistically you're right because I feel that I'm performing with the integrity that I intended. Yeah. You know, not to be pretentious, but integrity to an artist matters. That's the end all be all of whether or not you decide to get your art heard to what level to how large the audience, at some point you have to ask yourself the question, and I'm, am I staying and remaining true to the initial feeling or conception or something that I did when I created my painting, created right. my music, created my podcast, or have I let this shit go to my head and now I have to pivot? Oh, I'm on stage. I'll tell you something right now, Ryan, and just not going to give a whole story, but I try to stay away from comments or anything about my music because of the same thing that affects me, which is I want to be anonymous, but I've letting my curiosity get the better of me. And, you know, it's largely positive when I've read it, but a couple of the negatives come through and man, people love to fucking just cut you to ribbons. Yeah. You know, one of them was like, this shit is so boring. I don't know what people are into about this. And then I got a couple of guys, you know, some musicians that I respect around, around these parts, around the scene are like, man, you need to just write a bang. I'm like, Let's come out with a heavy guitar. We, we, we need to write something that's, that's closer to three minutes or four minutes. And back in the day when I was younger, Ryan, I would have let that move me. I would have been like, yeah, you know, you're right. The audience's attention span is, is not that great. And we need to be able to write a song that'll keep us on stage with somebody who plays fucking double kick at 200,000 BPM. So we're not <laughs> Just full send. <laughs> right. And it's just like, and hey, that shit's dope, but it's like, where I'm at now musically, especially after like being diagnosed, I don't know. I, there's a certain amount of give a fuck that just kind of disappeared. And I just find that shit nauseating. Like, I understand that I could sit down and write a three or four minute song, but why? You're asking me literally to tell a story and write a song based on a completely arbitrary passage of time. Right. What the fuck does that have to do with anything musical? Who made up these stupid fucking rules? The gatekeepers, that's who. It's fucking dumb. Why can't I put random shakers in a bass thing in the middle of a fucking... Like, come on, man. Between the buried and me, like, yeah, they, they, they jack off themselves a lot. But I mean, like, hey, they're also bad motherfuckers. Yeah. Incidentally, like, it's a little pretentious for me. and like the Mars Volta. But at the same time, it's just... It's made it... Sorry for the tangent, but it's made it really difficult to get... <sighs> To get the proper shows. Like, it's kind of like I walk up there and I grit my teeth. I'm nervous as fuck on stage already. And it's like, mm, we're on a bill with somebody whose EP is over in five minutes. You know what I mean? Because this <laughs> shit's so. <laughs> they got and the. Here my they, ass is, yeah. You know, I got this fucking it on the, on the slow, on the low side, our songs are like four minutes. That's not on purpose. It's just that's what it takes for me to get out whatever it is I'm trying to say. And 
you know, sometimes the audience is really into it. And sometimes you look out there and you're not sure. And then as far as classifying us, like we're working with Blood Blast and we have a guy who is our liaison over there. And he's pitched, you know, one little one-off single we did. And he straight up said, you know, I just couldn't get this placed anywhere. And I had a feeling he was going to say, like, you know, it's just an odd duck. Right. And nobody was interested in it. Nobody wanted to put it on. And I'm not saying because it was good. I mean, sure, it could have sucked, but it didn't help that you couldn't figure out which playlist to put it on. Like, okay, I'm in the mood to deadlift a Mini Cooper today. I yeah. need that shit. You know, um, my dog died. I'm fucking driving. I hate work. I need some sad boy shit. Yeah. Like, well, so I, think, you- I think, I think just to, to, to give you some, some reassurance, your music covers all of that. I hear you, but that's the problem to the gatekeepers. It's like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hit me in the first fucking five seconds. Like, bro, then you need to go listen to fucking Taylor Swift. Son. I don't yeah. know what to do. But, I mean, like, it, it's, it again, like they're, your music, uh, and I've a specific. I just I don't know why it is, but just Pale Dawn is is one of one of my favorites. And I think the fact that it has slow parts and it has fast parts and it has you know angry parts and it has chuggy parts and and but then there's this like oh is it over? Psych, we're coming back. Boom, hits you again, and um, it just it just keeps you guessing. So I think well, that the I'm- playlist that it belongs in is everyone's, not just <laughs> not just one. Like put it, in, uh, put it in. I'm telling y'all, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a day one Stoneside fan. So keep talking like this. I'm gonna have to take you out on a date. We, we can, we can arrange that. But, you, uh, you just take my balls over I'm here. A, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to get you guys on a show, um, which we've already spoken about. So for those listening, stay tuned. Stoneside will be in the Austin area in 2023. Uh, I'll bet a case of beer on it. I don't know what kind, but. I'm going to win. So I get to pick. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, sorry. I know, I know you were trying to wind it up, but you this just came to my mind when you talked about how you digest music, when you hear it, mm-hmm. you complicated it, then you begin to dissect it. You, you take it as a whole. And then each part begins to peel itself off to you. Like, right. What is that? Is, am I saying that correctly? Like, well, what's this instrument doing or correct? What's this line doing? Through- through the years, I've actually learned how to appreciate the art creation process. Like there's a there's a show called Songland on NBC, and it's you know radio airplay stuff, but they bring in musicians with music that they are trying to pitch to other artists. They perform it, uh, like a like a mild version of it, I think for for the show. But they, I think they perform the whole song, uh, and then they. Uh, split off, go to the, with the producers, retool it, reshape it, bring it back, and then present it again. Um, that, and along with obviously going to locals' home studios and just, you know, when you see behind the scenes footage, there's some dude on the couch on his phone while the recording session's going on. Like, I've been that guy, or I was the guy doing the filming. Uh, I, I, I've just, I've learned that there are more than just one way to to get into the music, but the biggest one uh, that I've been told was uh, you should, in in the, I guess, easiest way possible, get into a mindset to where you are ready to accept what you're getting ready to do. I guess that goes for anything, like into a job interview, into new music. I know each one has its different levels of severity, but um, honestly, just 
smoking a bowl and clocking out for a little bit in the shower, just jamming some music, I have heard notes and tones and things that I never knew were there. And so I strip away the vocals, which like you said, you know, we're not in it for the vocals. Um, they do complement and sometimes make the song uh, or, or the track. Uh, but the, from being a mechanic, I know this is kind of a weird, I guess, um, comparison, but from being a mechanic the, for so long, the way that my brain thinks is, tell me how the whole thing works so that when one part breaks, I can figure out, you know. No, that, you I, want, that is a weird way of looking at it. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're fine. <laughs> it, and it's, so I call it the exploded view because uh, whenever we go look at a parts diagram, it is an exploded view with, you know, part one, part two, it goes here, it does that. And so that's just how I've been looking at a lot of just things in life in general. It's just from an exploded view. And if you don't know how everything works, or at least have a general understanding, then I don't think that you're going to fully grasp the concept of whatever it is you're engaging with. So as an artist, that's where the, that's where the individual thing is that we call artistry exists, right. which is you have kind of like what you described as the exploded view, but to the maker of the car or the vehicle or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, mechanized thing that you want to use as an analogy. Right. Um, then it's, well, how much of this do we have in the body? Why is it designed in such this way? Why should this be longer? Or should this be shorter? And to what purpose? Exactly. Do we lengthen, do we lengthen this at the sacrifice of this? And is that sacrifice worth it? I mean, yeah, it is creativity. It is spontaneous, but it's also calculated. It's mm -hmm. the same as a, you know, I, I mean, to, to your example, kind of, you know, an exploded view, which I love that you said that. That's so cool. Um, like, I, I really try to de-emphasize my vocals. I, you know, when I was younger as a vocalist, which is kind of the role I had in all the other bands when I was coming up, like I would, I would feel I needed to be all over the track or it was boring. You know, everything we needed to be rapid fire and rhythmic. And then when Stoneside, it was just like, no, I'm going to force myself to let the song breathe. I, I just want my voice to be another instrument. I don't want it super forward in the mix. I want it to just be another instrument and allow the music to go on for a while without having to have vocals over the top. And that sounds like a pretty simple idea, but Ryan, you know that that's, that's very challenging. That's tough. <laughs> that's tough to pull off on multiple, on multiple faucet, facets of the song. Yeah. And, and, uh, so I guess that exploded view, maybe, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I, I do think like you, even though it sounds like our brains probably work very, very different. I'm, I'm not precise or mechanical whatsoever, but that thought occurred to me when you said that, that maybe that is what I'm doing is exactly how you said you view music, but also the nature of your own reality. Right. Just interesting. Just I guess thinking out loud about the similarities of what you said and maybe how I write. And it seems maybe maybe that's what I'm doing. Maybe you nailed it. Well, man, if I did, uh, I'm happy that we were able to arrive at this uh, this juncture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll let you go. Um, my scotch is empty. <laughs> yeah, I gotta I gotta figure out where my kid is. Uh, stick around after I stop recording. I just want to ask you a couple questions, man. But I, Crane, this this has been. This is exactly the conversation I was hoping to have with you, if that makes sense. Nah, it's cool. I'm a goddamn weirdo. Thank you. <laughs> well, now that now that we know what type of weirdo you are, um, 
hopefully it'll help people understand and, and you know, the process and the time and the, the, the effort that goes into making the, the Stoneside music and, and how how big of a process it is um, from from just, you know, the overall perspective, from the exploded view, as we said. Yeah. But Well, and it's been awesome, man. Like, it's cool. And I want to say to all your listeners again, whoever's listening, like, y'all got to share his podcast, man. If you've got a friend, a buddy, a co-worker who you know is into the genre and these things, and you're really passionate about metal, you need to pass along, help, help the regionals out, help the locals out, help the lower level nationals out. And Ryan is doing that. A lot of pop people talk about it, but Ryan and the ATX Metal Podcast are about it. And they have the track record and they have the history. And for all the metal musicians that would listen to this, this is the kind of guy who's on our side. And I'm not just trying to stroke you off here, Ryan. I mean, I really mean that. No, now, now, you're, tickling, now you're tickling my balls. All right. We'll, we'll quit pro quo here. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. Just a double handy. Oh, man. Well, I'm here for it, dude. And I, I like I said, man, I've enjoyed my time here. Um, so with that said, man, I'll uh, we'll, we'll chat later, dude. And I look forward to working with you in the future. Oh, yeah. All right, later. Yeah.